Namaste. So, as we know that prayers and meditations is a wonderful journey. It is a journey of the mother. And we are so privileged, exceptionally privileged and fortunate that she is sharing her own experiences on the way. Hardly any mystic has done that. Normally we see the finished product and the method and technique. But hardly any mystic is ready to tell us what happened in all that journey. When Buddha left his wife and child and went into the forest, did he feel the pain? Did he suffer? Or when he was living with them, how was he torn between that consciousness which was developing within him, the suffering of humanity and the ignorance in which it is plunged and his everyday life and all that was absorbing his energies there? We do not know. We know that Rama had to abandon Sita and we know that he suffered. But what we do not know is all that went inside. How did he overcome it? How did he manage it? What must have gone through in terms of thoughts and feelings? We know that he went through a very difficult time and you know the whole yoga vasist, he goes and speaks to uh, his guru, uh, human guru. He is the avatar himself but uh, vasist is the uh, seer who guides um, the whole family. So he speaks to him and he gives him uh, wonderful, you know, that, that whole knowledge itself is a scripture in its own right. What would Krishna have felt when he saw his whole, um, his own kul being destroyed out of a foolishness? Uh, he sees all this, but what he must have gone through inwardly because they are also a humanly divine personality, we do not know. So we presume that that is just the divine and we are human. So we end up not molding our life according to them because we say, okay, he is divine and we are human. So we can only worship. But the divine takes on a human body so that we can become divine. And it is only possible if along with the path, we are given some methods, techniques, etc. All right. But the path is all the moment. It is everywhere. It is all the time. It is not only when I sit in meditation or read the Gita or you know, talk about some beautiful things, but it is happening all the time. So what happens when we face the ups and downs and trials and tribulations of life and how do we overcome? What should be our attitude towards all these things? This is what we find revealed in prayers and meditations. So in this series, today we will read a portion of the prayer of May 9th, 1914. So the first part is about an experience where she reveals a profound truth that just as she is uh, feeling the need of, uh, you know, uh, resuming daily these notes, suddenly she goes through a bodily illness. And then she looks at the mistake, the error which has been committed. Something she has experienced and she describes it so beautifully, it needs tremendous courage to say that. She sees that I saw in it a sign that I had made a mistake. What was the mistake? That my spiritual energy had given way. That my vision of the all-powerful oneness had been obscured. That an evil suggestion had succeeded in troubling me in some way. And I bowed down before thee. O Lord, my sweet master, with humility... 
conscious that I was not yet ripe for the perfect identification with thee. Something in this aggregate which constitutes the instrument I can put at thy service, it is yet obscure and lacking in comprehension. Something does not respond as it ought to. Thy forces deforms and obscures their manifestation. So she is not uh, valuing in guilt. She is not uh, having thoughts of unfitness. She is simply looking at what led to this sudden change. And she says that when we have a tremendous aspiration, great aspiration, uh, the next moment very often it is seen that it is followed by a kind of fall in consciousness. So she is actually going through that experience and she cautions us based on our ex- our own experience. And then she says, instead of going through these uh, movements of guilt, unfitness, depression, or worse still, blaming the grace, because ultimately the grace is going to rescue us, uh, we should look carefully, look with sincerity and detect that small little thing which needs to change inside. The mother calls it like a worm in the fruit. And she gives an exercise that you sit and look inside. And then she says, look very carefully. Then you will see that little worm, like a canker, which is somewhere writhing, unseen. And what, what we do is normally justify ourselves. Uh, or we just move as it is very unconsciously. Then she says, take a pincer, uh, that sincerity is like a pincer, and hold it, and then take it out. Look at it, show the light to it, and it will be a great pain, because you know it's great pain to acknowledge that, oh, this is there in me. Because we all start with this idea that everything that we do and everything that is happening in our life is all because either the divine is doing it or whatever I am doing is the best thing and the right thing. She says, and then you throw it far, very far. Now Shubindu reveals to us that this tends to come back. Again you have to throw. But with each such throwing out movement, each such effort, sincerity will grow. The falls will become less and less frequent, less intense, less drastic, less catastrophic, less traumatic. And the duration of light and illumination will increase more and more. So she is showing the way that when this happens with full humility, she bows to the Lord and she looks at where was the source of that obscurity. It was some suggestion which had come. And this suggestion she wants to now remove from within herself. And then she sees that, you know, it is this which led to the illness. So, if we are really truly in a state of full spiritual energy, it is a great protection. Of course, the Divine Mother used to take everybody's problem on herself. That is a different thing altogether. But otherwise, when out of excitement, the Mother once says that, if you are constantly going out of my protection, what shall I do? How do we go out of protection? By certain actions, by certain feelings, certain thoughts, by certain kind of willings, by all those things which create excitement, fear itself makes us go out of her protection. So she is telling us the whole science behind it, the entire play of forces. And most important, she says, that it leads to an illness and a veil comes. But now the veil is gone. Uh, see, this all this is happening in four days. May 4th, we don't find a mention of it. Uh, on May 9th, she has recovered back the unity consciousness. So she looks at the problem and now she has understood. Now we'll read what follows. So when we come back, what should be our state? We should aspire more intensely. Very beautifully somebody said, love is the one which creates miracles and changes things. So someone said, but what if it doesn't? So the person says, increase the dose. So the aspiration grows even more intense. So after each such fall and failing, 
it has been seen that the aspiration paradoxically becomes more intense because once the fire has been lit, it's a one-way process. So every time there is a fall, the whole being bounces back with an even greater aspiration. That's how the yoga proceeds. And look at the power of this aspiration. Oh my divine master, this prayer of May 9th, 1914, but we are reading from the next page. Oh my divine master, my love aspires after thee more intensely than ever. Let me be thy living love in the world and nothing but that. So now she wants that there should be no other obstacle on the way and only she must become completely identified with this love. May all egoism, all limitations, all obscurity disappear. May my consciousness be identified with thy consciousness so that thou alone mayest be the will acting through this fragile and transient instrument. So she knows that the instrument is fragile, it is changing, ever-changing appearances, but she wants the divine to act through this and therefore she is offering and now she is making the offering completely identifying with that love. And she wants all egoism, all obscurity to disappear. This is the prayer, this is the aspiration we should have. Every time there is a difficulty, every time we suffer a setback, it should not be, oh again, oh I have fallen again. No, it should be rather I must rise to a greater height, I must make it even more foolproof and I must make the path even more uh, I must walk the path with a greater sincerity and a greater self-giving. Oh my sweet master, with what an ardor my love aspires for thee. Grant that I may be only thy divine love and that in everything this love may awake powerful and victorious. So now she is invoking that ultimate power that we see that in the last uh, you know, toward the later part, she is constant of her journey here, first phase of her journey, and later on, more and more love because divine love is the victorious power, divine love is the transforming power. She says it is the only power which transforms without destroying. The power of purity destroys, and then it, uh, you know, that is the difference between the action of Shiva and of Parvati. So, Shiva destroys and liberates. But Mother Parvati does not do that. By love she changes. So love transforms uh, without destruction. Whereas the power of purity destroys and thereby it liberates. So she is invoking to, to be that divine love which can spread in everything, all powerful and victorious. Let me be like an immense mantle of love, enveloping the whole earth, penetrating all hearts, murmuring to every ear thy divine message of hope and peace. So she wants to be the divine messenger of hope and peace and love in the whole earth, in the whole creation and penetrate every heart with that tremendous love. Oh my divine master, with what an ardor I aspire for thee. So we'll see the word intensely, then ardor, all these words coming again and again, immense mantle. So she is actually increasing the fire of aspiration so that all obscurity melt away. Now this is the process which has to be done. Maybe a thousand times mother says you have to be very enduring and have the faith so that if you fall ten thousand times, you get up again and say, I want to walk uh, with a greater aspiration. 
Break these chains of darkness and error. Dispel this ignorance. Liberate, liberate me. Make me see thy light. So she is asking all the last bonds which hold us back now. Her bonds are, you know, she is obviously enveloping the whole earth. So anywhere, any obscurity which holds her back, she is wanting to be freed from that. Look at the intensity and power of this aspiration. Break these chains of darkness and error. Dispel this ignorance. Liberate, liberate me. Make me see thy light. Break, break these chains. I would understand and I would be. So when the divine is going to break the chains, it's not easy. Look at what happened to Meera when the chains broke. And what did she say? Jo me aso janati preet kiye dukh hoye nagar dhindora peetti preet na kije koi. Eri meto prem divani meru dard na jane koi. If I knew that your love is going to be so powerful and intense and going to give so much suffering in its uh, by its touch, I would have declared that better not to love. I would have gone place to place, but what can I do? But I am love mad. Now this is what she is wanting, that break these chains and whatever it be, she says, I will understand, I, I shall be. When mother was asked, see this, uh, invoking the force of uh, divine love is none else but the uh, Mahakali. And uh, she was asked that uh, you must be using this method on uh, sadhak. She says, very, very rarely. Shurabindu says, seldom. Because very few will understand the action. They will misunderstand. They will turn around and say, oh, uh, mother is so cruel. They will not understand that this is her action of intense and tremendous love. Because this tremendous love will brook no barrier between the divine and us. Whatever is holding us back, Whatever is coming between us and the divine will be shattered by this love. So she is saying, I will understand and I would be. That is to say, this I must be thy I and there must be only one I in the world. So this is how that not only I should discover, uh, that which we read last time, uh, I am thou and thou art I, thou am I. Uh, she is saying, Further, that there should be only one eye in the whole world. She should see and experience that divine presence everywhere and in everything. O Lord, grant my prayer. My supplication rises ardently towards Thee. So we'll just read this prayer again. May 9th, 1914. Now we'll read from the beginning. Just at the moment when I felt the imperious need for the regular resumption of these notes to come out of this invading mental inertia, my physical organism sustained a defeat such as it had not known for several years and for a few days all the forces of my body failed me. I saw in it a sign that I had made a mistake, that my spiritual energy had given way. That my vision of the all-powerful oneness had been obscured. That an evil suggestion had succeeded in troubling me in some way. And I bowed down before thee. O Lord, my sweet master, with humility, conscious that I was not yet ripe for the perfect identification with thee. Something in this aggregate which constitutes the instrument I can put at thy service 
is yet obscure and lacking in comprehension. Something does not respond as it ought to thy forces, deforms and obscures their manifestation. A great problem presented itself before me and my illness covered it with its veil and prevented me from solving it. Now that I live again in the feeling of thy unity, the problem no longer appears to have any meaning and I do not understand it very well. That's what happens when we are out of it. It vanishes. It seems to me that I have left something far behind me and that I am slowly awaking to a new life. I would wish that it may not be an illusion and that the profound and smiling peace may return forever. And now that intensity of aspiration mounting in a cascade as if she is conquering the kingdom of heaven with a storm. Oh, my divine master, my love aspires after thee more intensely than ever. Let me be thy living love in the world and nothing but that. May all egoism, all limitations, all obscurity disappear. May my consciousness be identified with thy consciousness so that thou alone mayest be the will acting through this fragile and transient instrument. O my sweet master, with what an ardor my love aspires for thee. Grant that I may be only thy divine love and that in everything this love may awake powerful and victorious. Let me be like an immense mantle of love enveloping the whole earth, penetrating all hearts, murmuring to every ear thy divine message of hope and peace. O my divine master, with what an ardor I aspire for thee, Break these chains of darkness and error. Dispel this ignorance. Liberate, liberate me. Make me see thy light. Break, break these chains. I would understand and I would be. That is to say, this I must be thy I and there must be only one I in the world. O Lord, grant my prayer, my supplication rises ardently towards Thee. Namaste.